The sex stuff, though, I feel like my compulsion to talk so openly about it is directly connected to the fact that I felt so scared of it for so long and still feel scared of it. And I feel like it's the only control I have over it is talking about it freely because I still feel so terrified of it. Like I was just, sex to me does not come easy. Intimacy sexually or otherwise doesn't come easy to me. And, um, and I'm terrified of like boys and being naked with men. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hello, sweet family. Hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. For anyone that's new here, what's up? It's us, Lindsay and Krista. And we started this thing when we were going through some some shit and uh, we felt like we weren't alone. So we wanted to have a conversation and... Inevitably, a community formed and we're so grateful for you all and just feel like you are our friends. You are our friends and we're here to support one another. We have a community all over the world. So no matter where you are, there's probably almost 30 nation nearby. Yeah, last year we noticed that when we had our events, when we were on tour, so we've been on tour for the past two years, that a lot of the women would connect with the, with these other like-minded women in their city and area at our events. And when you're having conversations about really deep personal things related to spirituality, health, wellness, sometimes you can feel alone. So we wanted to support y'all and we created our ambassador program. So our ambassador program empowers women in your community to create community where they are. And they're hosting meetups all over the world, whether they're volunteering, they're doing moon clubs, they're um, having dinner together. They're doing potlucks. Uh, it's a really beautiful thing. So with Almost 30, you can go to our website and look at the cities where our ambassadors are. And if there aren't, if there isn't an ambassador in your area, we would urge and welcome you to be an ambassador and help you know create, create some friends in your area. Definitely. Um, and you know, we hear from you on a regular basis and it's always so great, whether it's through our personal DMS or through the almost 30 podcast DMS or in the secret Facebook group, which you should definitely join. If you're not already a member, there's about 15,000 women in there talking every day about, you know, highs, lows, big things, small things, supporting one another, laughing. It's really amazing to connect with other like-minded women. But I recently got a message from, uh, Lucinda Jones art on Instagram check her out. She's an artist, but hi, Lindsay and Krista. I came to your Sydney event last night. We were recently in Sydney and wanted to thank you for such an awesome night. I've been listening to you for 12 months and over that time have filled my brain with so much knowledge, inspiration, and understanding. It makes me want to tear up as I write this, but I'm just so thankful that I found this community and I want you to know how much it means to me. I am an artist and have always struggled with referring to myself 
as one, conditioned to think that a career as an artist was silly or quote unquote dreaming, and that I would always be without or struggling if I chose that path. I think I have a great work, work ethic combined with creativity and drive. Somewhere inside, I knew it would be my path eventually. After listening to almost 30 podcasts, I'm particularly inspired by both your journeys towards quitting your full-time jobs to pursue what felt like your purpose or calling. I decided to take the leap two months ago and it has been incredible. Money has never been something that came easy to me. However, this week I made the most of any week in my 12 years of working full-time oh. all from my art. I just got goosebumps. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to be living a life that is truly purposeful, rewarding, and inspired. I honestly owe a great deal of this happiness and success to you both. Wow. If you believe that, give us our cut. <laughs> I'm just well, fucking that's well, that's I just love that incredible. a lot of the women of our... Dude, we're going to call our 2020 tour Quitters Tour because everyone's quitting. And, you know, I've quit and, and failed completely before I quit with almost 30. So I know both sides, but it's just like people need that permission and that encouragement and they're already going to do it anyway, you know, yeah. which is so beautiful too. Mm-hmm. So to see all you guys really just like pursuing what you love, whether even it's just being a better person at your job. Yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah. And that, and that sentiment of, you know, believing or being told that an, being an artist was silly or that it was just quote unquote dreaming and that you would always be without or struggling, you know, that struggling artist mentality that I think society, family, friends probably joked about like, oh, like how's that, how that starving artist life? And I'm fucking over it. We're over it here at almost 30. There's no such thing because one, I think Art for for me feels like a different type of compensation. To be able to make art, to create, whether it brings in money or not, is uh, an energetic compensation for your soul and that you would be doing your soul and your life's purpose a disservice not to create, no matter who sees it or receives it or how many people see it or receive it. And I just like, I'm so inspired by you, Lucinda. Like- that is, that's, and it creates magnetism. So like, you're either going to attract money, you're going to attract love, you're going to attract more inspiration, you're going to attract opportunities that you never would have. So like, if you're out there and you're like, damn, I, I'm so passionate about this, or I want to create this, I'm so drawn to this, fucking do it. And, and yes, you might have to maintain a full-time job while you do it. But I think the act of creating is the point, you know? So go girl. So go um, girl. Give us our cut. <laughs> I know. What's We're our so What's our percentage? Yeah, Lucinda Jones art. And you know, two for just a little bit of background. Like when I talk about quitting on other podcasts when we're interviewed on, or leaving, you know, my job working in the corporate world. I was, you know, when I moved to LA, I was working at a job remotely from my job in New York. I left that job to pursue blogging full time. I didn't plan well. I didn't um, anticipate, you know, not earning as much income. Um, I just didn't really think through what I was doing, and I really relied on my art in quotes to pay for everything, and it didn't succeed at all. I got mm-hmm. myself in a lot of debt and had to go back to finding a job. And then I had that job for two years, building almost thirty. 
almost 30 started shortly before I got that job. And really having that job was the greatest gift. You know, it was really challenging to work nights and weekends. And I was actually still doing the blog at that time too. So it was blog, podcast, normal job. But it was just a gift for me to be able to invest in almost 30 and get, you know, maybe a production team for a very low amount, but to support us with the podcast or to, you know, just feel like it could breathe creatively while we were building it. So having that job is just, I can't recommend it enough. I know it's painful and I know it's not fun. And I did it for two, two years, two and a half years, but it really is really important. Yeah. And it's a resource, you know, it's a resource as you fuel what you really want to do, whether it's like learning skills, building relationships, having the money, like there's just, you could shift their perspective so that it's like a major resource for that. Yeah. Also, I got a, speaking of DMs, I got a hilarious DM. I, w- I didn't know that when you change your Instagram story highlights mm. that you could just change it now. You don't need to post them on your stories and then update the cover. Oh, totally. Do you know what I mean? I totally know. How totally you, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> so your Instagram story highlights, if you want them to be cohesive, you have to post them as a story and then you change the cover. Got it. So I did that and a bunch of people were like, hey, you don't need to do this. They're like, please stop like Stop being up. dumb. Stop being dumb and old and messing up our feed with your crappy Instagram story highlights that you bought on Etsy. And I'm like, oh my God, stop. One of the one of these dudes, he's, I don't know where he's from, but I, I like, Justin's like, you don't have him blocked. And I'm like, every once in a while, he gives me a little bit of confidence boost from his like creepy messages. Mm. <laughs> he said, when I shared my Instagram story highlights, it was like a picture of like a dot because it was supposed to be a son. Mm-hmm. And he said, is this a psychology exam? fucking hilarious because it was just like a bunch of shapes and colors (laughs) i'm like actually i'm gonna keep you i'm not blocking you i love like when people like kind of flirt on instagram you know you know what i mean yes where it's almost like a dig it's a regrets flirt yes it's a it's almost a dig (laughs) he says oh my god i should read the ones before when i've said something about the podcast on my story and he's like i could easily listen to you for 30 minutes <laughs> and he always says about my body, he's like, he's like, your body is like soft and curvy. I'm like, yo, dude, chill out. He's like, it just like says how it's like so soft. I'm like, I've got it. And I'm here I am, like posting me working out a hundred times a week. And he's like, All right, softy. I'm like, okay. Oh my I'm like, God. okay. <laughs> oh well, that's what's going on in my DMs. What's going on with yours? I, keep, honest, I don't get a lot of creepy messages. So I will do say I. that. Neither do I. I keep I getting with more. I keep I keep getting um WhatsApp calls. Whoa. How do I not do that? <laughs> I'll show you. Okay. Because I keep getting when did, when did you download WhatsApp? I, I keep getting video calls from people in, you know. And then I keep getting the ones where they just say hi, H Y like five times in a row. Wait, what? Yeah. Hi. 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 You know. What? Oh, is your number listed on your Instagram? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I hope not. Did you have check? the call button? Oh, I pray. Let's see. I think they just find me on WhatsApp. I don't know, but you shouldn't be like public. No, no, no. I keep getting the one. I don't know if you guys have been getting this too, but all the scams that people get. Um, my my trainer told me the other day, and he's he's quite good looking and has an insane body. He gets dick pics. He gets, he goes, I probably get 50 dick pics a day. God, I was like, what? I was like, I don't get any. This is the. Whole, I, I don't was get a pissed. single one. I don't get a single one. This is the whole thing too. Is like, again, I think I've talked. We've talked about this on 
a conversation with someone who was doing work. Oh, uh, Bumble. Uh-huh. We talked to that mm. from Bumble. I brought that up to him actually. Yeah. yeah. They should have AI that can detect if it's a dick pic yes. and it should be removed from Instagram. It's, it's okay. If you have AI controlling every other thing within my life and have uh, the technology to scan my eyeball yep. at, at the airport and to scan my face on my iPhone, you should be able to scan a fucking dick. Absolutely. Scan the dick, cut the shit. Well, I do think they have that thing where it's like, uh, they blur it until yeah. you approve it. But then it's like, sometimes it's but like a that. picture of like, someone wanted like to send apple. me of, yeah, literally of like their <laughs> overnight oats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's the new rest? You're like, whoa. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, apples are inappropriate. <laughs> Honestly. Like she put Too chia mushy. seeds on it. <laughs> Too wet. <laughs> yeah. I but mean, I need to see that shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I was just like astonished. And also like, what's happening y'all? Like, why mm-hmm. are you? It's a numbers game, baby. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Welcome to almost 30 podcasts. Anywho, uh, so on today's podcast, we are very excited. We had a conversation with Nikki Glazer when we were an in icon. New York. Truly an icon. You know, it, I... We're not women in comedy, but we, you know, in our shows, we try to be women in comedy, you know, we're women in comedy in our apartments. And, but we've kind of observed this space and in the sense that we've followed a lot of comedians, we go to comedy shows here in LA and damn, it's a boys club. It's a fucking boys club. Doesn't mean that they're all dickheads and assholes. I'm just saying that the majority of comedians are male. And I think it's like a kind of a bro bro culture. So I just have so much respect for up and coming and, and dominating female comedians who are just speaking the damn truth. Yeah. It was just great to sit down with Nikki. Her at the time, her special was just coming out and it's called Bangin'. It's on Netflix. You can check it out. And so we were c- catching her at a interesting intersection of just a lot of things happening. And she was going on Joe Rogan and um, just really exciting for, for her career. And um, she works her ass off. Works her ass. She works her ass off. Yeah. I think about with the the female comedy space, like I just look forward to a time and it's really important that women support other female comics because I feel like the grace that men have as comics versus the grace that women have as comedians is completely different. And I don't think anyone would deny it. You know, Mm if I, and I've talked about this before as it relates to female and male podcasters. If you look at the comments on YouTube, if there's a female comedian that is posting something on YouTube, 90% of the comments are related to her being looking a certain way. She's mm-hmm. hot. She's ugly. She's disgusting. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then that inherently creates an environment where it's almost like they need to speak about topics that will resonate with men because of the fear of men judging them based on how they look. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like they want to appease the male, the male um, audience because the males are so much more vocal in the comedy space because they've felt safe because there's been so many male comedians yes. so that they kind of speak to that audience specifically a lot yes. of the times, which it's hilarious. Like, and then I'm not saying this to Nikki, I'm just saying this as my general observation. So, you know, when there is an opportunity for a woman to like, do something different and just to be really out there is really important. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And, you know, we just want to note in this conversation, we do talk a lot about dating relationships, sex a lot. And 
we've talked about it before on the podcast. So this isn't really a disclaimer in that way. Um, but Krista and I have like kind of reflected on that conversation in the sense that, as she said, like we, we are here supporting women. We really like, it is important to us that everyone feels the space and the, the safety and the encouragement to, um, share their own experience. So we really honor Nikki's experience and what her truth is. And I'll speak for myself personally. Like I feel like in the moment, my intention was to create space for her. And I felt like I could have expressed my own opinions more in the moment to give our community a sense of how I was feeling. You know, I felt like the silence spoke more where meaning in not a good way where I don't, I didn't necessarily agree with everything she said. And that's not to knock her whatsoever. Cause there's going to be a lot of people that agree with what she said. I just, I just kind of was like bummed that, you know, leaving the conversation, um, I didn't, I didn't say things that were on my heart and mind and not to argue with her, but more so to just like make the conversation even more dynamic than it already is. So yeah, we, I just want to say that. I know Chris has stuff to say too, but I, um, yeah, it's just something we're learning as we, as we do this thing. Yeah. And I just relate to that sentiment. And when we had this conversation, Nikki is cool, funny, warm, engaging. You felt like, you know, I felt like I could be friends with her. I couldn't say enough good things about her. But like you said, you know, I did reflect on it and I did feel like there was a lot of things that I feel like I didn't express or say because I felt caught up in the moment, but also it is not in my nature directly if I'm having a conversation with someone new to explicitly share things that I disagree with in relation to what they are saying. Yes, It is my sentiment to support and be open and um, let them speak their mind and let it breathe. And for me to analyze and sit with it and kind of take it in if I agree with it or not on my own time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not here to tell anyone to think a certain way or to be a certain way at all. And I think that in this case, that was what was expressed during my conversation. But I do think that myself as a podcaster and myself as your host and steward of these conversations, it's important for me to have more of an opinion and direct my questions more appropriately than I did. And that means like just getting, going deeper. Mm -hmm. Why are you saying what you're saying? You know, specifically in these conversations, it's related to her thoughts around uh, the way we should be in dating and how uh, orgasm is not healthy. And that orgasm means that men are going to leave. You know, I don't believe those things. I don't... I don't believe those things at all. And that doesn't make me bad and that doesn't make her bad. And I think that's really the most important sentiment within all of this is that like, just because we don't agree on something and her life and her path is different than mine doesn't mean I can't love and respect everything that she's doing. So I'm doing my best and I'm trying to do a better job to be more present in every situation so that I can be asking the appropriate questions and just be as more as the most myself that I can. Totally. And I think that's my goal really is like, I was with Nikki Glazer, like she's huge. And so I felt, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a little girl from, I'm not little, but I'm a girl from Ohio. So I'm like in this room with this person that's major. She's done so much media and press. And I kind of lost that sense of being the person that's going to be asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to make sure that you guys know that I wish I could have done a little bit better in this, in this instance and circumstance, but I don't think that, you know, you guys are probably expecting something crazy now that we've said all this stuff. It's literally a fun (laughs) conversation that's super light, but we know I am very close and attached to 
to you guys. And I know and have a general sense of things that you believe in and things that you feel strongly about. And I'm curious to see if you guys disagree with a lot that what is that of what is expressed. And I think I could have done a better job of expressing my sentiment, which oftentimes is related to how you guys feel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible conversation and, and we're really grateful that Nikki was on. And um, again, this is just a reminder for us, for you, like everyone's always in process, you know, Nikki's in process, which is a beautiful part of the conversation. We are in process and we're just, I'm, I'm really, I love that we're able to share this with you where we're like, Hey y'all wasn't proud of that. You know, would have done it different. However, like the point is that we're just having an open conversation with you. So we always want to Keep it 100. Keeping it 100. <laughs> I want to let opinions exist outside of my own, allow them to be aired and expressed, mm-hmm. respect and love the people that do that, but then also take responsibility for what I actually believe and what, what my job is. So yep. that's pretty much it. A- Amen. Amen, y'all. So enjoy this. You guys are going to think it's really crazy and it's actually not, but you know, we just, <laughs> we just care a lot about you guys and what you think about how we manage these conversations because it's a damn job. Yeah. When you share this episode, definitely tag Nikki Glazer, you know, let her know what's up. Mm-hmm. Almost 30 Nation loves her, but um, her new special is on Netflix. It's called Bangin'. And, you know, support local comics wherever you are, especially yes. female comics. It's super important. And uh, if you're looking for comics, we're going to be on the road in yeah, the new year. We'll honestly. be going on tour again, our live shows. You know, we just do a little flavor of our own comedy yeah, at the beginning. So what's the deal? with diarrhea. <laughs> that was actually from a tiny meat yeah, gang promo video. It's only poop jokes here. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're, we're just excited for the new year. Lots of things happening. We have retreats. We have some things I can't discuss. We have new podcast pro out and, and ready for you. Anyone who wants to start, grow, monetize a podcast. We are bringing on uh, big guests that we're really excited to share with you. And in that vein, if you have any guests that you want to suggest, if you've read a book, if you've seen a show, if you've uh, read about someone's work and impact in the world, we want to know about it. We want to have them on and we will do our best to do so. So let us know, DM us at almost 30 podcast on Instagram or join the secret Facebook group. Let us know, or, you know, just get in touch. All of the things. We love you very much. Thank you for being such a support and for being open and kind to us and our process. See you on the flip. Love you, Beth. You're 18. You just want to do something rebellious. I, and I, I did the nose ring because I knew that it wouldn't scar as bad as anything else on my face. And then it eventually, it, I took it out a couple of years later. And it's annoying though, because I remembered having a nose ring and washing your face, the towel would get snagged on it. And like, you just had to be gentle. When you slept on your face, it didn't feel good. So I was going to get a nose piercing again because I'm like, who cares? I'm 35. I can get one. My friend, my friend who I got the original nose piercing with when we went together in high school, she still has hers. And I go, I really want one. Is it, am I too old to get one? And she goes, you're not too old to have one, but you are too old to get one. (laughs) So if it was grandfathered in, it's fine. But so my friend was wearing a fake one once, this this, uh, comic I bring on the road with me, this young college age kid. And he was like, I think I'm going to get one, but I'm trying this out. And I go, give that to me. I'm wearing it. And then I wore it that night and I felt like alive. And I'm like, uh, I'm yes. meant to have a nose ring, but I don't want it. I'm I'm too like bad with cleaning piercings and stuff. It would get infected. I'd lose my nose. You do I'm just feel not responsible enough. Like you feel you got a little bit of a toot. Yeah. You know, I totally like, feel. I was, I wanted to dye my hair purple for a little yes. bit. And Justin was like, you're 31. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Hair chop. Hair chop. Hair chop. Yeah. yeah but what about, what about what they do? And you're like, hey, man, you're 32. I mean, playing video games for hours. Yeah. yeah I'm like, hey, man. I know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. We shouldn't be. Double standard. Yeah. But, but there are so many things I'm like, I can't shop at Brandy Melville because I'm I can't 35 and then and I it go like unravels before you leave the store. Oh, it's just, it's the worst made shit. It's there. That show, it's like that place should be shut down. One 100%. size fits all. That's literally what they that's have. Not one okay. size. That's not okay. And I yes, don't my goal is to fit in that culture. size. And that's, that tells me yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, past? how is that store Mm-hmm. With girls, bigger girls cannot shop there. Yeah, you can buy maybe a scrunchie because yeah. it's saying one size fits all, but you're not all. And that scrunchie you like bought normal. is a tube top for it's a, 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 a smaller girl. <laughs> it's a tube top, but you can use Every it. Girl as- in there is always like looks the same. They have like long straight hair. They're like little brown haired white girls that are like wearing. yeah, they're little Kylie. I want to talk to you. You're from Cincinnati. Um, I'm originally. Are you? Yes. I was. Uh, the heck? My, all my family's from there, but I, I left when I was six. Okay. But I I've been back there. So many times, like all dream, my family's there. Yeah, like Cincinnati. <laughs> Wait a second, where did you go to high school? Mason. Okay, yeah, suburb outside. Where? where I, I grew up in um in Loveland, mm-hmm. like uh, in my all my family's like lives in Clifton. Wow, so, but yeah, my I love Cincinnati. Lives in Clifton, nice. It's the coolest part of town. It is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cincy. then where would you move though? St. Louis. Okay, so Midwest, so Midwest, Midwest, and conservative. Would you say? Yeah, I, feel like, I actually feel like St. Louis, St. Louis, and Cincinnati are very similar. Yeah, very Catholic, conservative, very Midwest-y. racially um, segregated. Yes, mm-hmm. um, black people live in this part of town. White people live in this part of town. You don't have to see a black person if you don't want to. Like it's kind of like that. I, yep. I remember, like growing up, I'm like, I didn't know that many. Like unless they would have been bust into my school, which they were. I wouldn't have known any black people. Did you go to public school in St. Louis? In St. Louis, yeah. And okay. like a suburb outside of What's the St. Louis city, Kirkwood. Kirkwood. Mm. And thank God they had, they bust in kids from the city because I would have been so much more sheltered than I already am when it yeah. comes to like diversity. But yeah, growing up there, luckily I had parents that were very liberal, like almost too liberal atheists, like didn't want anything to do with the church that. or like, <laughs> you know, Republicans. Like they... They, they hate Republicans so much that it's almost like they watch Fox News out of hatred. And so I have to watch Fox News when I go home. <laughs> I like, like Just to get mad. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to see it. Yeah. But they're like, no, we're hate watching it. I'm like, well, aren't you just give, watching it, though? Look totally. at this guy. It's getting in. <laughs> a number's a number of views of you nowadays. Yeah. I got the trickle down Catholicism of like the guilt around sex, the shaming, I was wondering the, about yeah. that. just all of that. I feel like it just, even though I wasn't raised in the Catholic church, like my parents were. And so you get that runoff from them. So I have a lot of that too, but you're, I, I didn't grow up around Jewish people. I didn't know anything about Jewish people growing up. Like I didn't know there was still anti-Semitism. I thought it was like the Holocaust happened. Yep. We got over it. We, that was a regret obviously, but I didn't know it's like, now I have so many Jewish friends and they're like, yeah, it's like a thing. And obviously it's a thing because it's c- kind of, c- we're seeing it now more, yeah. but it's um so sheltered. You just think there's no one else that's not like you. I know. We're, yeah. s- we're so sheltered. I still am. I'm still we're feel pretty naive. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I know. I was wondering with you being so, so hard being the- white and Christian. That's not what I With you just talking about so much about sex and stuff, how that played, because I was thinking, I'm like, if she's from Cincinnati, Cause that may, it gives me the feeling when I think about where I'm from in the Midwest and even St. Louis of being like, you hear it. It's like, you're still like, Oh, 
you know, I'm, I'm down, but sometimes a little part of me is still has that shame. Yeah. Is that something you had to work with? No, I mean, I really didn't have to work on once I got into comedy and I like had the right to say whatever I wanted on stage, it kind of just came out of me freely. And like the things I say that a lot of people are like, how do you say that? I just, I just don't have a filter in that way. And I, I, it's a blessing because if I, if it was a struggle to say the stuff I was saying, it would be, my career would be a lot harder, but it's just like, I don't think to not say it when people are like, I could never do that. I'm like, oh, well, there's so many things I couldn't do that people do that like yeah. dressing like like girls that dress like slutty. And, and I'm saying that like with um, love and admiration. And admiration <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. I like I wish I could just wear booty shorts or wear a crop top or like have my tits hanging out. Like I admire girl like porn stars and strippers and like just girls that like love their body and can flaunt it. I could never do that. But then I could stand on stage and talk to you about, you know, my vagina and like, and how disgusting I think it is. Or like (laughs) I can talk about shitting on a guy or whatever it is. And that seems so brave to some people. So it's all relative, but I will say that when I, um, growing up, I would say really fucked up things because that was my sense of humor. It always has been like dark and kind of, stranger than most people's sense of humor. And it was always met with like, don't, don't say that like shock and kind of like, why would you even think that? And that's when I, I just was quiet for most of my life. Like I just didn't want to speak up. Yeah. I just was like the things I think people go, why would you think of that? That's so fucked up. They didn't say fucked up, but my dad would be like, that's weird that you think that's funny. And no. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to reveal that I'm a psychopath. So I just stayed quiet. And then I started seeing other comedians and I was like, oh, I'm not alone in these dark, weird thoughts. And so I I like seeing someone like Sarah Silverman gave me suddenly like license to be dirty and weird and dark. And um, the sex stuff though, I feel like my compulsion to talk so openly about it is directly connected to the fact that I felt so scared of it for so long and still feel scared of it. And I feel like it's the only control I have over it is talking about it freely because I still feel so terrified of it. Like I was just sex to me does not come easy intimacy sexually or otherwise doesn't come easy to me. And, um, and I'm terrified of like boys and being naked with men terrified of it. That's why you know, my special, I talk about how like the only, I talk about be- hanging, having sex a lot, but it was drunk sex a lot of the times where I was just like blackout drunk because that's the only way I could do it. I wanted to do it, but I was like no way to do it. And now I'm, I don't drink anymore. And, and now I'm also like looking for a relationship. So sex and dating has, is just so fraught with like meaning and like it has to mean something and you have to and I don't want to do anything I don't want to do anymore. So that keeps me from even dating because I still feel the obligation that if I go out with a guy, I have to at least kiss him. And what if I don't want to kiss him? So then I just don't go out with anyone because I'd like, unless I'm positive, I want you inside me. I don't go on a date with you. And yeah. then, guess what? I'm not positive. I want anyone inside of me. So I'm alone. <laughs> like the, the obligation thing is so interesting. We were talking about this before you got here. Just like the, how, how fucking, aware women are of that 
need to manage, and in this case, a hetero, heterosexual uh, situation where it manage the man's emotions. So it's like have to kiss him or else he's going to think I'm a bitch or have to um, make sure he comes because, you know, he's going to be mad or have blue balls. And, all, and I know you've talked about this in the special too and, and off the special, but I just, it's such a, it's fun that we can laugh about it, but then it just brings up this issue of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, are they managing our emotions in the situation? Ugh. You know? So it's, I loved that you brought that up and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm a so really glad good you point. It it, and, and I am too, because it's made me face the fact that I'm still like, I'm preaching all these things in the special about like, don't make guys come. Don't feel obligated. And I don't anymore. But now, like I said, I'm just avoiding any opportunity where I would have to. Same. So it's yeah. not like I'm just like putting my foot down and getting what I want. I just avoid even having to make the decision because I don't want to have to do it anymore. And it is, it's like, I even have like, it, it's a joke, but sometimes you feel like you should make out with a guy because you don't want him to complain later to his friends that he bought, totally. he wasted money for dinner I on you. With you. He Or That's even if you pay for half, that he wasted his time. That's the truth. Like I don't, and I'm one of the most interesting people to talk to ever. 100%. And I still think it's not enough if I go on a date with a guy and I don't end up sexually satisfying him in some way or making his ego feel, making the, you know, catering to his ego. Yeah. I feel like I've let him down and it's, it's not even what they're putting on us. Like, I, I don't know where it comes from, but it's just so ingrained and it sucks that I still struggle with it. And it's like, I cannot get over it. I, I have all these opportunities to go on dates. Guys are, you know, after my special and I've been on all these podcasts talking about how I don't want to be single and what I'm looking for in a man, I have oh, all these offers coming in, rolling in from like good guys who want to take me out and would be like good I have people. one back in LA actually that asked me. I was like, hey man, <laughs> this is a professional thing. <laughs> That's so funny. But like, yeah, hey, I'm getting done a- with everything you need to do. I've got an idea. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but yeah, I cool. can imagine. It's a dream. What, what is course. it? It's a dream to be pursued by these attractive like great guys but then i'm just like dude i i know that what it takes for me to want to have your dick in my mouth and i just don't see us getting there and guess what the guys whose dicks have been in my mouth i didn't know that i was going to want their dicks in my mouth so i'm like and that's why i'd want to date a famous person and not because they're famous obviously there's the status that adds to them being a little bit more shiny and like ooh, but it's like i will be able to have known them before I go to dinner with them. So I've always, I already can make up my mind whether or not I want to sleep with them. And most celebrities, I go Uh, yes or no. Like you can feel like you know them a little bit more. You can do research. You can watch their videos. You can see how they talk, what they sound like when they talk, what they look like when they, I think that dating apps are missing that like a video of you talking. Some of them have the option. You should be like, hello, I'm Tim. I'm from, you know, it's important Date. though. But it should be not, it, there is a, cause there's an energy that's that comes when you through. Know, like, like if you meet <laughs> someone, like the first couple of seconds is how they carry themselves and their voice is like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm like, oh, I'm always just combing through my DMs looking for a check mark from a celebrity I already have a crush <laughs> on. Because I, I don't have a, I don't have a way of like Same. filtering. I'm just, <laughs> I hate meeting up with someone with the expectation that we might have sex. That's why my new Especially approach for you, there might be more pressure because you talk about it openly. People yeah. are like, she's a freak. Yeah. I'm sure she down. wants it. She's down. And it kind I'm of not. Puts, not doesn't, it just maybe puts that expectation where like, she's a freak. Like this, 
but that's not really true. A guy recently asked me out and he did the, he did it in the best way. He said, listen up. He goes, um, guys listening. Yeah, exactly. Listen, he goes, I would love to hang out platonically with strong sexual undertones. Cute. And I was like, yes, that is all I'm looking for. That, that, that leaves me off the hook to, to have, to, he doesn't expect anything, but he's still going to flirt with me. He's still going to give me the option, but it's going to be up to me. Pl- hang out platonically with strong sexual undertones. Like it's still satisfying what I need, which is like, oh, he would fuck me. Yeah. The option's there, but it's, I don't have to do it. I want to say no. It was so nice to get that. <laughs> and I, I told him, I was like, I loved that. I love everything about this. Cause that is what I'm looking for. So next time I go to LA, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to hang out with that guy platonically with strong sexual undertones. But Perfect. my new thing is like, I was DMing with a guy yesterday and usually I'm like, you know, trying to be flirty and turn it a little bit sexual. Cause this is a guy I know that I would want to have sex with. But I just was like, no, we're getting along. I'm just going to pitch friends because I don't even know for sure. I think I want this guy. I go, let's be friends. And I don't think, and I really meant it. Like, I do want to be friends. I want to, I want this guy to fall in love with me from being friends with me because (laughs) that's so much safer to me. So I think that's my new approach is like, start out friends with guys, only friends, no expectations of like, we like each other, just friends. And Mm -hmm. then I get to decide on my own time. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that think it turns them on more. They're like just friends. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And then it's like a little bit of a, a fun chase, quote unquote. A, a, you know? Yes. I think and it's, you can have the confidence that they just want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's like, yes. I mean, most of the time a guy wants to fuck you, you know, let's be, right. let's be honest. Most guys want to fuck the most girls. So it is like, if he wants to be your friend, he really genuinely loves to be around you. Yes. And -hmm. enjoys your presence as a person. And I don't have that like, oh no, I'm wasting his time feeling because he knew what he was in for. But when you want to date with someone off of Raya, the expectation is we're meeting to figure out if we're going to put ourselves inside each other. That breaks my heart. And it's just like, I don't want to go on a date with that. Like I hate, it's like a, I hate that. Yeah, that's it just doesn't make it fun. Cause then the whole time you're kind of waiting for that expectational moment. And you know it. right away. My new rule is um no sex until we're exclusive. I've never done that before and I haven't even told anyone or practiced it yet. No, it's but the I'm best. like because I do like having sex. I do like that as a way to get to know someone. I do like a physical connection, but it's never worked for me. Dude, it's <laughs> I read this book that is changed me and my Men girlfriend's lives. Mars. No, it's 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 around it's kind of the same um theories from what I've heard. I haven't read that book, but it's called Getting to I Do and it's the worst title. But it's just about getting a man to commit to you, which yes. we're all looking for if we're gonna be honest with yeah. ourselves. It's just like a commitment of whatever type of commitment you want. But it's really hard to get a guy to commit if you're sleeping with him before you get a commitment. It just Honestly, if you break it down, what reason does he have to be your boyfriend? What yep. reason does he have to make it official? What are you holding back from him? Meeting your parents? That's not, <laughs> so that's literally true. the only thing that's off the table <laughs> if you're sleeping with a guy. So, and you go, well, how do I know if I want him as my boyfriend? If How do I know the sex is going to be good? Stop using that as an excuse. You know when it's going to be good and it's always going to be bad at first anyway and it can get good. So don't you, or I like sex. I like having random sex. Well, girls that are listening, let me ask you this because I used to say that too. Like I, I want to get fucked and I, I like having a dick in me and all these things. Yeah, it feels great. But, um, you also like, um, doing ecstasy. Do you do that every night? Like it really sends your brain. It shoots off chemicals in your brain that you don't have control over and you get attached to someone who you shouldn't be attached to way quicker than they get attached to you. 
And I would also warn you, because I'm reading another book, and this is this is crazy, and it requires a lot of explaining, but I'll try to make it quick. Orgasms are not good. And I know I just wrote a special about having as many orgasms as you can, <laughs> but you should watch out because orgasms are like doing a drug. I mean, what you're, the chemicals that go off in your brain is like- Oxytocin, right? Mm-hmm. It's oxytocin, but it's a lot, like your whole limbic system gets fucked up and all the things we do to like calm our limbic system so that we can perceive the world the way it is and not how, how we are making it to be meditating, all these yoga, all these things to calm our limbs. Mm-hmm. Then we have an orgasm and it fucking throws it all off. It's like doing, it literally is like doing ecstasy and your body takes about four days as a woman to- um, have the full effects of it, but it causes depression, anxiety in women. And, and then you go, but if I, if I don't, I can't imagine not coming a couple times a week. Well, what you're doing when you need to orgasm is you're actually treating the anxiety and the dis-ease caused by your last orgasm. So it's like smoking. If you don't smoke, you don't need, I haven't come in two months and it's like, I don't, I'm turned on all the time. I still masturbate. I just don't masturbate to orgasm. And I don't have the this kind of depression that used to follow. And it's this book called Cupid's Poisoned Arrow. And it's about orgasms. But wow. putting female orgasms aside, the male orgasm. And this is the real... And you're right on with not sleeping with a guy before commitment. Because men, everything in them wants to run away after they orgasm with a woman. Mm. Because biologically, men are wired to spread their seed. An orgasm means like I just came and made a baby potentially. You can't get a woman pregnant twice. So back when we were all in tribes and men would have to fuck everything all like we would all be menstruating at the same time because we'd be on the same cycle in our little tribe. Men when they were they would have to fuck us all a lot back like and and when they were a orgasm a male orgasm was the signal um, signified the end of a relationship between two human beings. Romantic feelings, feelings of bonding were all leading up to us to get close enough to fuck, come, and then he he goes. Wow. There's no reason for him to cuddle you afterwards. There's no reason for him to come with you again. He just came. You can only get a woman pregnant twice with the same load. There's no reason to come for her again. So when a guy comes, he wants to fucking run to the next teepee to fuck your cousin because the harsh <laughs> winter's coming and he got to spread a seed. So- Men, and they did this study with rats, which really makes this kind of crystal clear. And they put a male rat and a female rat in a cage and they pumped the female rat with all the hormones that make her want to have sex as much as possible. And the male rat and the female rat have a bunch of sex. And then he's done. After he shoots his load, the male rat is in the corner of the cage, just like passed out and just like (laughs) sleeping. And they've pumped the female rat with more hormones to make her horny again. And so she's, and and the male rat is a little, acting a little bit more tired than he should be based on how much energy he exerted. But he looks, he's passed out and the female rat is like humping on him. Like, come on, come on. And he's like, no, he's done. But then they take that female rat out and put a new one in and he's ready to go again (gasps) instantly. And it wasn't because he on he had a burst of energy. It's because it was new. So men are want men are want a new pussy because they're biologically wired to have new pussy. Now I know there are cases where men can come and they want to hug you afterwards and cuddle. But what I would say is that they're fighting a current within them, which is run, 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 run. And if you remove orgasms, the male orgasm from the relationship, like they can come on their own time, but not with you. 
you'll keep a man into you a lot longer. And it's like this new weird type of sex that this woman lays out in this book that is like way connected. It lasts longer. It's much more pleasurable. So just like jacking off in front of her or something? No, they. I would say come in the next room. Like I don't even want to be there for I don't want you to associate me with that orgasm because you'll, you won't want me after. I mean, did that make you think of all the times like after they came and you're like, like trying to like get a little close or just like soothe them. Cause you know, the dramatics of like afterwards, you know, and and you're like, Oh, they don't want me to be there at all. (laughs) Everything's changed. And these guys, like I used to get so mad when guys would shift, but they can't help it. They, 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 cause I've, I've talked to a lot of guys about this. Like I'm doing like Ted talks about this now because I, I want to spread the word, honestly, dude. I've got honestly, it like, you because start I, the Ted talk, you're like, there's two rats. Yes, I know. <laughs> there's two rats. There's hey, two sharks. Rats. Oh, wait, that's her <laughs> Hey, sharks. Let's stop coming. Yeah. But it's true because men really struggle with it too because I, I know men that I've dated who like me so much and then they're not attracted to me after we have sex and they can't help it and nothing, I've done nothing between me like hanging out with them the night like the only thing that's changed is that they came and they want to run and the guys that haven't have been fight it just causes so much tension in relationships so when people hear this they're like but i love fucking and it's like it's not about not fucking you can fuck like so much it's like a new type of sex but my next relationship wow the guy will not be coming and i that might be hard to sell for a guy but i honestly think that i'll have a lot deeper of a connection relationship because i found that making guys come has been the detriment of so many promising relationships to me. Nothing else changed except that I made them come. Is there, is there a time frame? Yeah. It's like yeah. right after they change, you've felt it before with dudes and they, it's like, they don't even mean to, they yeah. just do. Yeah. And they just want the next thing. And it's, it's, t- I mean, I, his birthday and Christmas, I'll save it for those. And I can come on those times too. He'll be like, but me at the mouth yeah. on Christmas. He's like, well, is it the same with girls? Like if they make us come, like I, I, I don't want to run. The chemicals make us feel more connected to them because so we're trying to, well, this is interesting. Family, right? We, we biologically, and this is what the book says. We've come up with ways because we don't want them around us either because we, we biologically Just need them facts. to go make more kids for our village to provide like, but what our bodies do is make us cling to them, which then pushes them away. Right. Why are we by? Why do we always want to snuggle with someone that is repulsed by us? <laughs> why would we be wired to do the one thing that makes that they don't want more than anything? It's our way subconsciously of pushing them away. Because wow, if we really wanted them to stay, we would do what makes them stay. Play hard to get. That would come naturally to, to us, but it doesn't. And we think that Hmm. we're like, we want you. We really want them to get the fuck away too. But what we do is we cling and it pushes them away so much faster than if we were just cool. So that made me feel a little bit more. You just more... push them over and you light up a cigarette. You're like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> the games. Do you guys play games with guys? I definitely used to. And then I went through a period where I didn't. That didn't also, That didn't work either. It doesn't work But either. I played games when I was younger. So yeah. I'd be curious to play those types of biological games now where I'm like, yeah, subconsciously I want to. I So knowing that he doesn't want, he wants to run. Maybe I am the first one to kind of be like, go into yeah. the other room. You know, like, yes. this information walk away now. naked. But My yes. games back in the day when I was a single lady were, I'd always have a backup. I'd always be kind of dating. Oh, that's, 
that's yeah i'd always be like i, I gotta have a backup so was the energy palpable to the person that you were dating kind of that you were probably that i was like cheating in and out yeah and okay. it made it so you could never really be oh. intimate with someone because yeah. you had someone be, like, else doing both yeah yeah i'd always be like i just gotta have a backup you know because then it's like you're playing both you're safe on both but and then they were probably having backups too but that was like my thing are you guys in relationships now I am. Um, I'm not. No, I'm you single. Are. How long have you been? Six years. Wow, that's yeah. great. So I'm a little rusty when we talk about shit like this. To be yeah, but honest, that's because uh, now, like after I come, I'm like, all right, let's gotta write this, do my taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no. Right, can you go pick up the groceries? <laughs> but I'm not kidding you. Like this book, it's good for people in relationships too because I think a lot of tension in your relationship, and not that I know anything about it, but like obviously, no relationship's perfect. Like fights and um anxiety in relationships could be traced back to your orgasm. And it's, it's so subtle and we're not paying attention to it because for women, the effects of an orgasm don't happen for four days after it causes erratic spending. It causes clinginess. It causes anxiety. It causes like, he's not like, he's not checking in with me. All these feelings that wouldn't be there. My, my producer on my radio show, I got her into this book and she read the whole thing. Like I'm not, I'm only like a fourth of the way through. So I don't even have all the information for you guys. It's going to like turn at the end. And I know <laughs> it's going to be like, you should be coming all the time. I'm like, oh shit. I didn't wait for the fucking uh, spoiler alert. But um, my friend read it and she has been tracing her emotions connected with orgasms. And she's like, dude, during the, like when I come that we like, and she doesn't see her boyfriend during the week because they work, their schedules don't work yeah. out and they see each other during the weekend. She's like, when I spend a weekend and we come on Sunday the whole week, I'm like, why isn't he reaching out to me? Why isn't he texting me? Yeah. And when I don't come, she like didn't come for two weeks and it was really hard for her to do in a relationship where they were both like, we're going to, but she wanted to just test it. And she's like, it's completely connected to that. I feel so much freer. I'm not worried about him checking in on me. I'm not worried about what he might be doing. Like I just am calmer and it just, it's there's there's science behind it, but it's just now beginning because it's women. We don't pay attention to this, but there's so much ancient a science behind it or ancient like etchings on fucking tablets <laughs> in ancient Chinese culture. Because, Egyptian dicks. Because they had less. Yes. Yeah. They had less stimulus. So when they got depressed, they weren't like, maybe I'm spending too much time on my phone or maybe I got some bad news about my job or maybe my friend isn't, my mom's calling me too much. They could literally trace it to orgasms because they, wow. that was that was the only drug they had. So they could much easier connect their mood changes and their um, performance changes in their work or like labor. I mean, if someone felt depressed and couldn't get out of bed to go move some bricks to build a pyramid, you were going to die. So like if you connected that to your orgasm, they used to think orgasms were like, there's def different cultures that like orgasms were the devil because they were connected to, they connected wow. it so much to it. There's so much wow. scripture and like old, like things literally etched into tablets about orgasms, connecting <laughs> it just to orgasms, Damn. not sex, but they connected it to the burst at the end. And might I argue that the best thing about an orgasm is right before it anyway. Because it's kind of mm. like Christmas. The day after Christmas is like the it's the worst day. It is it's so depressing. really but dark. Why? Because we have all the presents we I just know. got. It's it's our first day with our presents. I think because I'm with my family in Ohio. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but even when you're a kid and you don't really, it's not the family. It's not the going back home. It's like it's not the going back to school. It's like you have the presents, all the things still there. You're still off school. It still sucks. 
And it's because the anticipation is gone. Yeah. The burst happened and you're depressed. So I really relate orgasms to Christmas. And when I was a kid, I used to delay opening my presents until the last minute. My parents always <laughs> used to say, what is wrong with you? And I would made everyone else open their presents before me because I wanted to be last because I knew that when it was over, it was done. I'm always like the last to finish my meal. I just like to delay pleasure. So this is right up my alley already. And I'm someone who just didn't have an orgasm until I was like 20. One and then not again until I was 24 and then not again. I did wasn't able to give them to myself until I was 28. And so I've always like not really had a good relationship with orgasms and been able to live without them, even though all my friends were coming. So this kind of fits my life anyway. And I will attribute some of my success to it, I think, because in the book, they say that women that don't come a lot tend to be like hyper successful because they have a different gear that they mm. they're they're not their thoughts aren't clouded they don't suffer this depression anxiety as much which I still suffer with but I connect some of my success to not coming kind of now damn there's some and, and we were talking to someone recently the when you said the moments leading up to the orgasm it's that space if you can extend that and you health can. wise it's <sighs> the best for you so like for your womb the oh, blood yeah. circulation like being in that space for as long as possible is actually the most healthy not getting to orgasm really really quickly because I think we were talking about like vibrators and how it just like gets you there in two seconds yes. for a lot of women yeah, and blast. it's not but good. it's that time before for it that you really need yes. to enjoy and savor. Cold, but, yeah. but you're right. Completely. I did it last night. I masturbated for the first time with this like new, because I've just been not masturbating, but I was like, God, I'm fucking horny. And yeah. I like got a text from a guy I liked and I was DMing with the guy. Like I was like, <laughs> you know, I was blue check. I'm totally. like, whatever. I was, I went to the, I went pee yesterday and like, you know, when you wipe and you're like, whoa, that was slick. What happened earlier? <laughs> like that happened to me and I was like, whoa, I'm just like turned totally. on right now. So I went home and I was like, I'm going to masturbate, but I'm not going to come. And I was kind of just on my phone. You know, when you're just like, I was on Reddit. I wasn't even looking at something hot. I was just like, had my like womanizer on my clit, stuck in my clit. And I'm just like looking at like articles about <laughs> like I don't even know like meditation or whatever the fuck I was reading about and then I start felt myself like almost come and I was like oh no no and then I had to like stop because I was like it was gonna get right. but it felt so good to be in that t- that moment mm. of like right before it mm-hmm. I think I would challenge your listeners to like try to masturbate next time you masturbate don't come mm. you're in control try to, and see what harnessing that energy does to you and see if because I would argue that when you feel the need to come, it's because you're treating the, the, the need that precedes it. Yeah. And if you give, try to not come for two weeks and see what it does to your mood. All right, ladies, we're going to have a challenge. Seriously, <laughs> we can it's do it. Don't come challenge. November two challenge. Weeks, no. Tag every day. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag don't come challenge. <laughs> I think we can start something. <laughs> That's how you let men know that you're into them. They need eye contact. And that is all you can do as a woman. Smile and eye contact. I just practiced on the wall. It's, and even with the wall, didn't you feel awkward? Yeah, I felt like an idiot. It's too much eye contact. The wall hates is like, you. It's, I know. Yeah, the wall wasn't into it, but you weren't facing your tits to the I wall. I was like, what about now? So don't ever talk first. Um, and eventually these you can drop all this stuff once you're in a committed relationship. Right. But a hundred... Well, if I was six years in, I'm like... Still up. <laughs> He's like so babe. I'm like, ah. But we're we are so eager. I mean, yeah. I, that rule I mean, for me is so hard, but I've done it before. And it felt really good to yeah. just wait for wait for them to approach you. They have to initiate every text conversation, every phone call. Don't ever convince yourself, like, maybe I need to reach out first and he's intimidated. No, he's not. A guy will it's kind of like 
he's not that into you kind of rules where like mm-hmm. he'll come or like stop convincing ourselves that these guys are busy or that they lost their phone or that they're intimidated by you. No, they're not. If they want to fuck you the guys, the guys that slide into my DMS, like have no business talking. <laughs> when a guy wants you, they don't, the intimidation is not a factor. Yeah. They just want you. That's so it's true. So we, we convince ourselves of all these things that so true, but um, I do know a few, the girls that I know that are very feminine. It is, it is very attractive. Like mm-hmm. Katrina mm-hmm. from tone it up. One of our friends is yeah. so fucking feminine. I'm like, like, it's just like, she's, this person is very, almost emotional and just like wants, like lets people take care of her. She's very like cuddly. There's just a very feminine energy about her. I'm like, damn, that is like hot. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, that is like, like a guy, like any guy, like I think most spectrum of guy would be attracted to that. Yeah. Whereas a different spectrum would be attracted to like, hello, you know, me. Yeah. But it's just like, it's very, it's palpable. I know. And it's, it's hard because the men that we're attracting by having this kind of, and by the way, your outfit is like goals. I mean, <laughs> and I hope that you didn't, as I said that, I was like, I uh, hope but she I know knows that, that about I absorbed myself. her outfit and I'm going to oh copy my God, no. it tomorrow. But I, but I know what you're saying. And I, I completely agree. Like, you know, I'm, I was going to say, this is the thing though that's hard is I have my tits out and then I see my new dad, my mom's new husband, and he's yeah. looking at my tits and I no. actually want to jump off a cliff. Yeah. So that's what's challenging is that it's like, show your tits and then you have fucking random dads looking at you. Don't show your that's tits. a great point. And you don't have something. So it's like, I never really, like I have them out because I'm hanging out with you. I'm hanging out with a girl. Yeah. But for me, when I'm around dudes, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, how Same. are you? And then it's like, I'm, I'm cha- then you feel bad that you're challenging this guy to retain eye contact exactly. with you. Do you ever, that's why yes. I don't wear low cut things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want my guy friends to have to struggle. Yeah. Oh, what a struggle. <laughs> I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable I don't want by them to my get a boner in public. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. But the other rule, and I really want to hit this home, is girls, if you want a guy to be your boyfriend, stop. Su- don't let their penis in you at all. No blowjobs either. Blowjobs are too connected. Love I that. thought that blowjobs were safe. They're not. You're like, that's the are same fine, right? fucking thing. It's the same thing. Andre. And it's Literally. really, they're coming in you. And it's like, it, your body might not think you're making a baby with the guy, which sends off all those hormones, but it's making a connection. And it's just, you can jerk them off. You can, they can okay. go down on you. They can finger you, but do not let them inside you. And don't feel bad about not making them come. They can come later. And I'm trying to, I'm saying this because I want to do this for myself but it's so hard. I'm so, I want, I want to hook up this weekend so bad. I'm in, in town. I'm like, who can I just have a hookup Do with? Do you have a guy that you can just call like it's safe? No. I'm, but I have so many guys that I could do that, but they would want to fuck. Okay. And I can't fuck. And okay. I just, and then I would, I, I feel unsafe putting myself in that situation. Cause I feel like I might feel obligated to do it or yeah. I might, I don't know, but I really, I need some intimacy in my life so bad. Like so I've been like hugging same. my girlfriends oh, in ways bless. that they're uncomfortable with. Totally. Where I'm like, I just want to be touched. Like, Did you just touch my boob? Yeah, I need <laughs> to get a you too, massage. Like, I saw in one thing you're talking, you're like, oh, with Theo, Theo Bond. When you're talking about, you're like, I feel good. Like I feel sexy. And I just like felt that when you do feel like, for me, sex is good when I feel good. Like, yeah, of course, like my partner is gorgeous and everything, but it's like, when I'm having good sex, it's because I feel hot. And so when you do feel like good about yourself, like, and you feel hot, you're working hard for it. It's like, you do want to like celebrate it. Yes. You know, you're like, I want to show this off a little bit. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing I'm struggling with is because 
because I don't feel comfortable dressing slutty in and being a slut. It's like I only feel I'm a huge slut, but I'm only with guys I'm comfortable with. And I haven't been able to be a slut in so long because I don't have anyone to be comfortable with. So I'm like and I just sometimes look at my body. And I'm like, I'm aging. And like, these are my best years and I'm squandering them. Are you taking waiting pictures? For, yeah. Okay. I'm, and, you know, I, I send some stuff to like my ex. I used to send some stuff to my ex-boyfriend before we kind of ended. The, I had to end that thing yeah. because that was just like, I was doing that waiting for him to want to marry me eventually, which he wasn't getting there. And, and I was th- thinking like, Oh, I don't care about this. And he's easy. I can just bang him and not worry about it. But I was still like having yeah. sex with anyone, whether or not you think that you, you you leave yourself not open to other men. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ugh, it's I'm so complicated you that you're like, it's like, well, you're realizing this now and, and you know, like not to be corny, but it is like setting the intention. Like, okay, now I want a relationship. Like I did that. Now I want a relationship. I want to be intimate. And it's like exciting for you to look forward to that. Yeah. But I don't know when you have time. I to don't. Be honest. That's why I'm like looking at your schedule and I know all that you, I don't know all that you do, but I know a lot of what you do. And I'm like, how would you ever have time for anyone? I don't. Intimacy and that, takes time. That's such a good point. And I recently realized that I was like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend because of my career. Not because I'm not on, I'm, yes, I'm scared of intimacy. Yes, I have dad issues and mom issues that make me blocked emotionally and sexually and all of these things. But I also am obsessed with my career and have become a workaholic to, I think, push intimacy away. Mm. It's an excuse. I don't have time for a boyfriend. That's why I don't have one. I'm terrified of being actually loved. Terrified. Are you terrified of mm. your comedy? Like I think of comedians and I'm like, are you terrified that it will be harder to have stuff to talk about? If you're like, I'm happily in love. A little bit. I mean, I'm a little bit of me feels like mm, people only like watching me because they want to fuck me or they think they have the chance to fuck me and they only want to watch me on Joe Rogan's podcast. If, you know, his listenership isn't going to listen to a girl that is a boyfriend, then they don't have a chance to fuck her. But if I'm single, suddenly guys might pay attention to me. And that's so stupid. And it does. It might have a little bit of merit, but not as much as I'm giving it. And yeah, so there's something about if I did find a relationship, I don't know that I want to broadcast it that much because I do think that some of my worth is from the fact that men think they can fuck me. And, and that's so sad. And um, sure that's something I struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that. I struggle with that as just being a woman. Like once you're off the market or once you, because you're in a relationship or once you're off the market because you're old and you're not like of, you're not, you know, fuckable. Anyway. I mean, I guess if someone, an 80 year old woman could be fuckable, but I hope I'm not. I don't want men to be like <laughs> drooling over my me when I'm 80. But what but I don't know the female experience. Uh I don't know not wanting to be fuckable. Since I was yeah. an adolescent, I've craved wanting men to want to fuck me and it's been my identity. It's been what I've sought after because men have all the power and if you turn a man on, they're kind of weakened because when men get boners, they're kind of like <laughs> and so then you can steal some of the power back from them mm. and you can get some of that power. It's not about wanting them to actually fuck me. It's about them wanting them being weakened and giving me what they have because they're turned like on I by me. I just heard that in Hustlers. I feel like that was like a part J-Lo had in Hustlers. Honestly. Yeah. Like I want them to be weekend. <laughs> yes. What has what? been like your experience in Hollywood specifically like with that? You know, not obviously it's not necessarily talking about like the casting couch. It's more just like the shifts in power, pushing and pulling, or maybe casting ca- couch. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I think that 
Yeah, I mean that my in the industry, I feel like it hasn't been that um, helpful to me to be single. Like I, I feel like it's more about the audience as I, I want to be single for mm. because I, I feel like my my fans are single women and I want to speak for them, and so I got to stay in their team. But I, I've been in a relationship before in the business for five years, and I didn't feel like it suffered because I had a boyfriend. But I will say that. I just struggle with like getting older in this business and I didn't think it would happen so soon. I thought it would be in my forties when it starts to really like feel it, but I'm feeling it hard at 35 of like, Oh shit. Like Mm. Hollywood's like, it's kind of done with women my age or if, and if they're not, it's the exception or it's like, it just, what makes you feel that way? I feel like now because baby, it is, it is fucking time, but it, it, and it feels that way, but I feel like, I just, I know that you get more irrelevant as you age as a woman. I just know it. It's like undeniable. You just see it. And there's always exceptions to the rule. And I hope to be one of those, but it's going to be hard. And it's going to be hard for me, not just my career, my my self-worth. I just put so much in how I look. And looks are just so, it's just such a dead end thing to put your yeah. your self-worth on but and I'm trying to get ahead of it and trying not to care about my looks as much and find worth other places but it's so hard. Do you think that's cuz everything you do is on camera pretty much? Yeah. And when I think about you in that way, I'm like that's really challenging. Yeah, I had like the I have a radio show which was like I took a radio show cuz I'm like good, I don't have to wear makeup and mm-hmm. just roll into work. Now we have cameras in every fucking day. I'm just like, like, no. You're just all the time, like, able to see yourself on TV, on camera. People are commenting on it. People commenting. Like, I don't. And that's what I was. I was actually talking about this the other day of we were talking about women, how less women are videotaping their podcast than men. Yeah. And no one is like looking at Joe Rogan's comments and they're like, wow, Joe is a little sunburned today. Or like, where's Joe's legs? It's like. If you're a woman with a podcast, you the first comments are like, oh, she's this, she's that. Like, People can't watch a show with a woman and not comment on her looks. Yeah. So if you have a podcaster, and that's why I'm hesitant. You know, We're going to do more video in the new year, but I'm hesitant for a few reasons. One of them is that fact, is that it's always like the first comment is how she looks. It's not about, you know, oh, that's interesting or whatever. It's just always like that. And I think it's incredibly unfair. It's so unfair. And it's... It just feels like a losing battle too. It's like it, you can't stop it. You're and 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 I just grew up like my mom valued her looks a lot and would talk down to herself about her looks oh, even bless. though she was beautiful. She would call herself fat even though I was fatter than her. You know those yeah. kind of things. So I just was like that's it's just so ingrained in me that that's what matters and it's so stupid and I'm and I'm more intelligent to know that it doesn't matter but I cannot help it and it's something I struggle with so much, but I've recently instated this rule with my girlfriends where um, I just noticed this thing of like, whenever I met up with my girlfriends for dinner, we'd spend the first five minutes, like or a couple minutes complimenting each other on our looks or being like, you look so cute. Oh my God, that's so cute. You're cute. Like your hair. Oh my God, what are you doing? What are, how are you, what are you doing to your skin? Like, and then I was starting to feel which I've always felt this way. I had a really beautiful sister growing up who every time that she would like hang out with me and my friends, she was younger. My girlfriends would always just be like, she would leave the room and be like, why is she so beautiful? Like your sister's so like, what does she do to her skin? Like all those things. And I would just be like, 
why can't I be that? Like, I just hated myself so much because I would compare myself to my sister. And I find that doing that with my friends, like when my friends give each other compliments and they haven't given me that compliment, I'm like, well, then my skin's disgusting or my hair is like, I have bad hair or I have a bad outfit. And I just made this new thing of like my friends aren't, or when my friends give me compliments and then they don't the next day, I'm like, well, then the absence of a compliment means that I'm not cute today. And so I made this rule, no more compliments, no more. I don't want to know if I have a cute outfit on, don't tell me if I look cute, don't tell me. I don't want to hear any of it anymore. And it has been so freeing because when they don't say something, when I've looked, sometimes I look really cute and my friend Anya won't say anything. And I'm like, what? and I go, oh yeah, she, she's not allowed to. So every time she doesn't say something, I'm like, she really wants to, but she's not allowed to. And it's made me happier. Yeah. To like, and cause I'm just, I'm tired of like that being, because it's the first thing we say to each, it's the first mm-hmm. comments that are made about us under in our YouTube videos. And it's the first thing we all say to each other. Yeah. And we got to like kind of change the conversation, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Instagram so too. Hard you to, know, it's like, that's kind God. of like how our mind works. Like Instagram, I think is the most used thing probably that I do in a day. And we all do in Same. a day or see in a day. Hours. And, and that's like the language is the comment on the aesthetic of what's happening. So whether it's a beautiful sunset or it's like, oh my God, your skin looks amazing. It's, it's still that rather than, you know, it's never really a comment about the feeling around it or maybe yes. the content. So yeah, I completely agree. How have you like taken care of those, not taken care of, but managed those thoughts? Like, are you in therapy? Like what is, what is like supporting you through this? And it's just, it's magnified being in Hollywood, you know, never knowing why someone makes a decision about casting you or not casting you Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's just, it's so complicated and emotional. So how are you taking care of yourself? I uh, meditate every day for 20 minutes in the morning and then I try to do 20 minutes at night and that has really helped mm. me like be able to, because all of these things are thoughts all these depression is caused by thoughts you think you're thinking sad thoughts because you're depressed no you're depressed because you're thinking sad thoughts and you're giving those thoughts too much weight when really you could just learn to ignore those thoughts because yeah. your thoughts aren't really you they're these external things that are coming into your consciousness that you can choose to ignore and as soon as I started meditating I was able to when I have those negative thoughts, instead of like letting them take over and giving them weight and being like, yeah, it's true because I'm thinking it and being like, let's go in. I can kind of bat them away and like get out of it for, but other things that I I don't drink, I don't, I smoke a lot of pot though, which I find helps. Like, I don't know. It's there are times it's not helpful, but I, uh, and I go to therapy and I also, um, uh, work like a, a program type thing that I go to that has mm. really helped me a lot. And just you're not t- drinking anymore, right? Yeah, I don't drink. I haven't drank since 2011. And that was really when my career like took a shift was like, cause I was just drinking to like have sex, mm-hmm. have relationships with men to do all the things I was scared of. And as soon as I was able to take that away and like, I mean, it got gnarly for a while because you have to feel your feelings and that's what got me into therapy. And, and, but yeah, I mean, I just, I work really hard at it. I just read a lot of stuff and like, just try to surround myself with girls who aren't talking about that stuff all the time. Like I'm choose my friends wisely, even though there are amazing girls that like are so focused on their looks. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't be friends with you because you talk about your looks too much and you disparage yourself about your looks too much. 
and you're the sum of your friends, your five closest friends. And I kind of looked at my five closest friends and I was like, you got to go because you're 20% of who I am and you're too negative. Yeah. And um, it's hard. So I just, I try to surround myself with good people. I think the ability to feel your feelings too is like very feminine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very, very feminine. That's all what the book says is like, stop, like lead with your thoughts. You can, and that's the freedom of this book. The getting to I do is that you can tell men how you feel anything. Like as long as it's a feeling, you can say anything you want. So it's not about like, don't tell them you like them. You can be like, I feel like, but your feelings just lean into your feelings. It's super feminine. That's exactly it. So it's Mm -hmm. nice that you now are learning that and you're doing that. Yeah. I'm trying stepping into that. I mean, fuck it. That's so hard to like, shut that off. it is. And you never know when they're going to come and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to talk about a little bit with the, your evolution and self-care, like meditation. So I know that you are meditating. Yeah. How, how has it changed you? Oh my God. Like the biggest change of my life. I mean, quitting drinking was the big one, but like meditating, I, I go back to drinking rather than go back to not meditating. That's how profound meditation has been for me. I've done it. I've skipped like maybe a week of days in two years that I've discovered it. Like, it's just something I do every day. And it's something that I never thought I could do. I was just like you listening. Who's like, Oh no, I have ADD. My thoughts are all over the place. Mm. I'm too fraught. Like I'm too, I think too much. I can't do it. Stop thinking you're special. You're too, you're too high strung for meditation. Everyone feels that way. You're not unique. Just try it out. It can work even for the most spastic ADHD person meditation. You can do it. You can do it for 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. I I was drawn to it because I was so fucking depressed two years ago. I was going through like one of the worst spe- spells of depression of my life where I was like, thought I needed to be hospitalized. To be mm. honest with you, I was like, I can't function anymore. Yeah. All I think about is like wanting to kill myself. Mm. I wasn't going to do it. I had no plans, but I was like, yeah. I'm tired of like constant thoughts of like praying to get cancer. Like what? It was just so dark and I really thought that I was right. Like that's when I knew my depression was bad was I was like, you know, I sometimes think like, oh, kill yourself or whatever. But I go, that's a dumb thought. But I was starting to think like, no, I'm right. And everyone's wrong. People that tell me I'm great, they're wrong. And I like mm, starting wow. to have really bad mm. thoughts where I was, it wasn't in control. And I was like, I'm going to have to get back on antidepressants, like something I'm going to have to go to a hospital or something. And this was when my life was going pretty great. Like my career, I just got in the radio show. I just moved to New York. I mean, there were a lot of things, external factors, a new job, a new apartment, new city, a fresh breakup, a lot of things that led me to this spell of depression. But I didn't want to go back on meds because I had gotten off of them six months earlier and felt like it was really good that I got off. I was really proud of myself for getting back off them, but I was like, okay, but I will. And then I just so happened to see this clip on um, YouTube of Howard Stern talking to Jerry Seinfeld. It was like an outtake from comedians in cars getting coffee. And it was about him discovering TM transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. And that his mom got him into it in the sixties. His mom found it in the sixties and Howard Stern's mother found it because she got wildly depressed after her sister died. And he described his mother's depression when she was going through it and it sounded exactly like mine, like just staying in bed all day, not wanting to leave, not being able to connect with anyone, wanting to die. And he was like, and then my mom started TM and she emerged a new woman and I got my mom back. And that was the only thing that changed. Mm. And she's been doing it ever since. And I've been doing it ever since. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm actually trained in TM. Amy Schumer bought me TM classes as a gift years before, just because she had discovered it and was like, this is changing my life. Everyone needs to do it. She bought all of her friends this very expensive class and I took it because it was a free class and 
who, you know, and I did it and I, I didn't, I didn't, it just didn't click with me at the time. And then I had it, but I had it in my back pocket. And so when I saw that interview, I was like, okay, I'm going to start meditating. And a week later I was out of my depression. And ever since then I haven't, if I've gone back into one of those spells, meditation always gets me out of it. And if I've gone into it, it's because I'm lacking meditation. It, oh, it just works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And it's so good. And I, that's the thing. I don't, I can't explain to you how it works, but it just does. And if you can't afford the TM class, I just recommend the waking up app. It's what I use now. I, I sub, I do TM and the waking up app, but it's an app to, uh, uh, created by Sam Harris, who is like a neuroscientist, Mm -hmm. physicist. Like, I don't know, maybe not all those words, but he's like one of the greatest thinkers of our generation. And he has started a meditation app called waking up and it's $14.99 a month, but you get 10-minute meditations or 20-minute meditations every day. There's a 50-day course to get you introed into meditation. So you meditate every day. Not You can take it as easy as you want. You can take 100 days to do the 50 days. But it's 10 minutes a day for 50 days, and then you learn, and then every day a new meditation comes up. But I just want to sell you on this. I know it's $14.99 a month. If you can't afford it, go to the app store and go to the Waking Up app. Read the fine print. You can write into the app, and he'll give it to you for, for free for a year. Because he believes in it so much. He just wants you to try it. So just, you can get this app for free and start meditating today for 10 minutes. And I really implore you to do it. And it can be free for you. If you just write it and say, I can't afford this, they'll give it to you for free. Yeah. So waking up app, that's the best way to get people started. Perfect. So great. Yeah, meditation has changed my life for sure. And I Yes, in what way? Tell me. Every, I, I think I've been doing it for seven years. And I yes. have really depressed, anxious thoughts. And yeah, I had where everything was gray you know, I, where I'd wake up and like my whole life was really gray and I just kept having the same loop thoughts so much that I didn't really want to wake up. You know, I would just go to bed and I'd be like, okay, we're still thinking the same thing. And I felt out of control with it. And then in the morning I'd be like, and then the thoughts would happen again as soon as I opened my eyes and I was like, fuck, you know, like my only reprieve was sleeping. Yeah. And it's just given me such space between thinking and feeling. And it's really given me like grace, (sighs) you know, now, cause before it's like, I would feel a feeling or emotion. I'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm that I'm crazy. I'm emotional. I am happy. I'm sad. I'm all these things. But now I understand like the fluidity of my emotions. And I give myself like, maybe it's me, maybe it's, the moon and the stars. Maybe it's the energy around me. Maybe it's what I'm eating. Maybe it's what I'm sleeping. Maybe it's all of these things. And it just, it, there's a very spiritual thing that it's done for me that I like can't speak to enough. I know, you know, isn't it beautiful? It's so beautiful. And it's something that I would have listened to these two women talking to th- four years ago and been mm-hmm. like, Oh, shut up. And yeah. it's not for me. This sounds like mumbo jumbo. It sounds like religion. It sounds like higher yeah. power, like God. And it's and it just works. I don't, I didn't want it to, but it just does. Is your sleep better? Yes. Literally everything is better. My skin is better when I'm meditating regularly. My health is better. I meditated a cold sore away once I was getting a cold sore, which I'd never, I had one before in my life and one was coming up and I had a taping to do. And I was like, fuck, do I go to urgent care and get like, do I get one of those patches? Like <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to cancel this shoot. And then I sat down and was just like meditated on that cold sore and was like, you're done. You've done what you've came here to do. And wow. it was at the stage where on Google, it said that it's too late. It's already happening. There's no intervention. It's going to blister. It's, and it went away. No, wow. I also meditated. Uh, I was on dancing with the stars and got really injured. And I, um, the day of the show, 
it was the the live taping that night and I woke up that morning and I couldn't even put on my bra because my shoulder was so fucked up. I was like, cr- I had to have Aww. assistance putting on a shirt and I had to perform that night and like do a full dance and I couldn't move. And I was struggling and someone wrote me saying, cause they saw on my Instagram story that I was injured and this gymnastics coach wrote me and was like, when my girls have to perform and they're injured, I know this is bad, but you can, you're, like, you can, you can, it's mind over matter. Mm-hmm. Like you can heal your back today. Yeah. And I was like, no way. But once again, I was backed into a corner where I had no other options. And she said, start saying this mantra to yourself. I'm strong. I'm prepared. This is easy. I'm strong. I'm prepared. This is easy. I was in a car on the way to set at seven in the morning, going to dancing with the stars to get into hair and makeup, to, to go on TV at 7 PM that night live. And I'm crying in the car going, and, and I told the driver, I'm like, I'm really sorry. I just have to cry on the way to work. Like it's cause I didn't want to cry when I got there because I didn't want to cry in front of producers because my partner told me that if they knew I was injured, they would vote me off the show, which they did. But for other reasons, obviously. And um, he was like, you have to pretend you're okay. Like, so I would have to show up to set and be like happy, even though I was like in the worst pain of my life. And I had to dance on live TV and I haven't done the dance for two days. This dance that took me a month to learn because I'm a terrible dancer. I wasn't even able to practice the two days leading up to the live show because I was so injured. So I got this mantra set to me literally on the way to set. And I just started saying, and then I I went to the driver. I go, okay, now I know I was just sobbing, but I'm going to start talking to myself. So I started going, you're strong. You're prepared. This is easy. You're strong. You're prepared. This is easy. I'm strong. I'm prepared. This is easy. I went into my trailer. I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm strong. I'm prepared. This is easy. A million times. I didn't stop saying it the whole day. And then slowly I started moving my arm and kind of rotating it. And it fucking healed my arm, which was so badly hurt. I wow. couldn't put on a shirt that evening and I was able to dance that night. And I did get shots um, in my arm to heal like some of the pain later on. But I went to like rehearsal cortisone. that day where I was supposed to just watch the rehearsal and watch another girl do my dance and just learn where the cameras were. So when I went, so after I got the pain shots that I would be able to do it. But at rehearsal, I was like saying the mantra enough that I was like, I think I can do it. And I danced and I remember Tom Bergeron, the host of it, Saw how injured I was the day before because I tried to do the dance and it was a nightmare. And he goes, I cannot, what happened? What did you, what did you take? And I was like, Tom, I'm saying a mantra and it's fucking work. Like I couldn't believe it. So I legitimately healed. I know. know. Honey, get ready. Think about what you can do with a man. I need to start, like mantras are, I don't know how they work either. And get your man mantra ready. I never, yeah, I'm strong, I'm prepared. This This is is easy. easy. It's the best tech. It really is. I'm in love with my dream man. Yes. Honestly. I really, I think you're right. Now that I'm like reliving all of this, because that was truly the one of the most magical moments of my life was that my back that I couldn't get out of bed that morning. And I was sobbing to my friend Carlisle, who was helping me put on a shirt. And I was like, I just don't, I'm going to have to drop out of the show. Like I can't dance tonight. And then being able to perform that night. Yeah. I got voted off, but like I was able to perform and I was so injured and it taught me that like Physical pain is in our heads. Yeah. It's a lot of it's in our heads. And it just brings you back to your own power. Like that's like for me, meditation just brings me back to like myself because I'm so outside of like my own power most of the time. So it brings me back to like, oh, like I am in control and I'm not crazy. And I do have the power to like see the situation in another way. Yeah. So that, I mean, and your body responds to those thoughts, your body responds. And it was probably like an emotional release too, like being able to kind of cry it out and then actually like remind yourself that you are powerful, that you, that yeah, this is easy, that, that, you, are, that you are prepared. Like the body is like, Oh yeah. It starts like, to that believe is the it. truth. Yeah. Yeah. And 
also what you said about uh, like being able to know what meditation has done for me. And I feel like it really could have helped me when I was anorexic in high school is like the voice that was telling me not to eat that I could not fight that voice no matter what, like even though I was like starving to death, there was a voice being like, if you eat, you're a piece of shit. I thought that was me. And then someone, why did a therapist go, can you think of that voice as like a, like you're possessed. And then that's what meditation is. It's realizing that your thoughts aren't you. You, your thoughts can be Mm -hmm. coming from like, picture yourself as like possessed by like, I pictured myself like the exorcist. And that was able to, for me to defeat anorexia was that I pictured it like this demon that had taken over my brain. And I just stopped listening to the voice. I just stopped when it would talk. I would go, shut up, you stupid bitch. Like I literally was like, you're not invited here. You are a pest and be gone. And that's when I, when I have those negative thoughts now, I can, I can, I used to just thought my thoughts were me and they're not you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. It would have helped if someone would have told me that my thoughts aren't me and that there are these things that you can choose to like, I picture them like waves now. Mm -hmm. Like, and if you're trying to get out to sea and you're trying to go swim out where it's calm, the waves are hitting you. You don't just like walk into waves. It's much easier to dive underneath them. And you can do that with your thoughts. Just let thoughts Dodge over. Them. Dodge yeah. your thoughts because yeah. they're mm-hmm. not you. And they're these things that you can choose to ignore. Totally. Well, also too, when you're, you know, potentially when you had your eating disorder and it's these thoughts that are telling you like you're shit if you eat. It's also in a way a sphere tactic that may be trying to keep you safe where it's like, you're not going to be loved by your mom, you know, if you're not, if you're eating. Yes. Because she thinks she's fat. She, I love her. She yeah. doesn't like when people are, I mean, I've, I, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I have a similar instance with with my mom. So I sympathize with that. And I went through that where I was like, I hate that. I hate this. And now I'm like, okay, I understand you. Like you really wanted me to always be loved. And we made a connection to this with love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's really what it was. That's what love was, was being, looking the right way. Yeah. And then for me, I, I also, it, it was that, it was my mom saying that she was fat all the time and me being like, well, she hates herself when she's fat. So being lovable is being skinny. Yep. And then when I got skinny, I still didn't feel lovable. And then I realized that being, I was so skinny that, and I was really scared of boys growing up, just as I'm still scared of intimacy with men. I was very scared of it in high school and never didn't kiss a boy. I wanted to so bad, but just didn't know how just like, just, they made me so nervous. And it was a way of pushing men away. Like it's also what, what a lot of women do who are overweight. They eat because they've been molested or hurt by men and they want men to like not be into them anymore. So a lot of overweight women eat to the point so that they're turning men off. And I realized, oh my God, that's what I did. No one wanted to fuck me when I was skinny. Like people go, how did you not have a boyfriend till you're 24? And I was like, cause I looked like I just got out of Auschwitz until I was 24. So no one, I didn't have any takers. And, um, but it was that was my defense mechanism. It yeah. kept people away. It made me not sexualized. Yeah, which I'm. It's ironic, but I, as much as I want to be sexualized, it was like my biggest fear too, and it probably still is. Right. Yeah. Also thinking last thing about the intention, like if you're always if you're saying like I have a fear of intimacy, then you do. Yeah. You know, and I think that you're so warm and kind and lovely and like fun and cool and all these things. And it's like all your friends see it, like everyone in the world sees it. So it's like maybe not saying that would yes. be helpful too. Because you yes. want, that is you know? intimate. Like those qualities yeah. are super, super intimate. Yes. You That's know? really good. I think when you have a lot of depth too, your level of intimacy is a lot, your standards are higher. Yeah. Because my level of intimacy with 
my level of depth with intimacy is, is way deeper than maybe someone else's would be. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Someone else would be like, wow, we got really deep. And I'm like, what? We just got a coffee. I know. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's, especially with a comedian, because you guys can go so high with like the high vibe, like funny. So then you can also go so low. So it's like being intimate is like such a more rich experience. Yeah. Yes. You know, I really like what you said, though. I'm going to stop phrasing it that way that I'm scared of intimacy or like now I'm going to say I, I, I want intimacy. Yeah. I, yeah. I want intimacy and I will have intimacy and I am capable of intimacy yeah. and I deserve intimacy and I'm prepared for it. Yep. And yes, it scares me, but I also love being scared. And that's what's dra- driven me so much in my career is like, this scares me. I'm going to run to it. Yeah. And so that's maybe I need to change what that this is helpful. That schedule? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's that the schedule, thing. Honey. After my tour, Maybe he's your opener. I'm on tour right <laughs> now. Yeah, I know. I mean, comedians are always attractive to me, but I, I do want to say I am. I'm going on tour January um, into the spring, and I'm doing like 20 different cities all over. It's the, it's a crazy. So yeah, and, you guys um, have to look at it. I schedule. would love for you guys to go and to see me live. Meet, meet and greet tickets are available. We can share a moment, and get really deep. I get deep quickly. We can take a picture. Are you coming um, to LA? No, I'm not doing any California okay. dates, but um, unfortunately, but I'm always in LA at the okay. comedy store. If Perfect. I'm in LA and you see on Mr. I'm in LA, Perfect. go to the comedy store and you can see me. Perfect. But so yeah. good. Thank you for being here. Thank yeah, you for having so me. Fun. This was so yeah. fun. You guys so are real fun. So grateful. Oh, Thank so yeah, you. get Agreed. tickets at NikkiGlazer.com. Yes. Perfect. Your new what? Is your website new? Yes. Yo, girl, looks fresh. Yo. Thank you. My uh, friend's boyfriend did perfect. it. Perfect. He's so good. And talking about like feminine, like I love the branding for the tour. I love the branding Thank for you. the special. Like yep. it's feminine. It's beautiful. It's sexy. It's like so strong. So like, I don't know what it was like behind the scenes to actually create that and any anxieties around that, but it's absolutely beautiful yeah thank you yeah, you should oh be God. so it's proud hard, it's hard to do it's hard thank to you. do it is do. you know what thank I mean? you for saying that because it's everything everything is a choice of course yes. like men though when they do their right specials so they're just like i'm just gonna wear a shirt and <laughs> jeans and the, the background can be whatever it is totally. just give me a microphone <laughs> and a glass of water and like everything they down. like wet their hair in the I sink know. before but and they're like if you're like dave Chappelle, you're like i'm gonna wear like an, a jumpsuit oh that was so funny that was an amazing <laughs> whenever i wear a jumpsuit i think of him when i have to like go pee and take it down <laughs> i always think about him backstage taking a shit and it, like sh- like having to pull it down to his ankles and being naked on a toilet it makes Chappelle a little bit like weakened. i love picturing girls in rompers at clubs do that <laughs> yeah, like they're all just like, like butt ass oh, naked yeah. and you're just like this is life this is amazing <laughs> oh my God. all right we love you thank love you for you. being here thank so you good. <laughs> Thank you so much to the lovely Nikki Glazer. You can find her on Instagram. Her Instagram is just her name. She is on tour. She has a show on Sirius XM. She's all over the damn place and she is the coolest, kindest person. You guys definitely have to check her out if you have not already. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, your reviews mean the world to us. Thank you in advance. You know, if you're called to write a review, it means so much to us on Apple Podcasts, five stars, you know, if you're yeah. inclined. Um, but it really helps us to grow the show, to reach more people, to bring on guests that you love. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're just pumped about this new year and we're, we're really excited for you and cheering you on along the way. You know, let us know how we can best support you. Go into the secret Facebook group. There are women in there ready and willing to connect and just kind of inspire one another. This is kind of how we get things going is connecting. So we'll love you. We love you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.